The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the one who sets the table and feeds us and sustains us. Amen. One of my neighbors, a lovely Scottish woman named Bridget, had to go to the hospital recently and my children were very worried about her. That night we prayed for God to be with Bridget through the night and keep her safe and make her well. Then, Eli, my four-year-old, asked me to pray for his dreams as well. I did, praying something like, God, please watch over Eli's dreams tonight. But he immediately interrupted me and said, No, Mom, God is with Bridget tonight, remember? You can just ask the fairies to watch over our dreams. After some back and forth, I realized that he was not buying the whole God can be with each of us all the time thing. So I suggested that we have God send the angels instead of the fairies. You know, since they have swords and all to encounter the really bad dreams. I don't think you have to be four years old to have a hard time wrapping your head around God's constant presence with each and every one of us. And I don't think you have to be a priest or a tired parent or in some sort of survival mode or crises to feel that you could not manage life if it weren't for God's constant presence with you. In the moments in our lives when we recognize that we cannot steer the ship of our lives without God, because we are merely human, and when God's immediate and perpetual close proximity is beyond our understanding, because we are merely human, how the heck do we proceed? In our prayer lives, our practical lives, chaotic lives, and most especially in our crises, 
How do we even put one foot in front of the other? Perhaps knowing we need God, and perhaps not being altogether convinced of God's actual presence. Well, as usual, I don't have the answers, but I do have a couple of things to share. First of all, I do not believe that our awareness of God or lack thereof has any effect whatsoever on God's choice to be in us and with us. Second, now that I am ordained, I have to read the Bible regularly, which I now wish I had been doing earlier, because Scripture, while full of violence, ancient guidelines and judgments and other stumbling blocks, is actually very helpful. It is also, in many places, heartbreaking and beautiful. Which brings me to today's scripture. We started with more of King David's blockbuster life. I will not go into the disturbing details about what was left out of last week's drama and this week's tragedy, but if you are of age, you may go read 2 Samuel yourself. Basically, David and his sons, Amnon and Absalom, all do a series of awful things to each other, to women, to other family members, and to each other's households and allies. Amnon is killed by Absalom, and then Absalom becomes a political enemy of his father, King David. They end up at war against one another, but David begs his officers to be gentle toward his son in battle. Politics aside, he cannot bear to lose another son. Absalom is lost in battle anyway. When news reaches David, David weeps. His grief is palpable. And when I let the story take hold of me, I weep with him. Now, many of the Psalms are attributed to David, and when I see him lament over the death of his son, I see why. Whether these Psalms were written by David or just a part of his culture and prayer life, the Psalms express something very close to what David's weeping invokes. They praise God and plead with God and grieve openly, almost viscerally, to God. I'm going to read today's psalm again. In it, the psalmist begs for God's forgiveness and presence. Out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? For there is forgiveness with you. Therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, wait for the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. When Absalom died, David was broken open. 
he knew that his violent relationship with his son resulted in death. He was both the one to blame and he was the most bereaved. There is no way for us to navigate or even survive unspeakable human moments like his alone. We cannot do it without God's constant presence. The Psalms make me think that David knew this. God had been promising constant presence since the beginning of time. And our scripture tells us many of the ways that God has been present with humankind always. But sometimes I wonder if those Psalms finally got to God in a new way. After years of listening to us plead for a closer presence, more mercy, deeper forgiveness, and more comfort and intimacy with our God. Did God finally get it? Because finally, after listening to us cry out for centuries in the city of David, God got born as a human. The only way to be closer and more intimate and more attuned to our pain was to become us. And so God did. And they named him Jesus. And he grew up to be wise and loving, a rebel, a fierce preacher, and a determined teacher. He fed people, lots of them, and then he told them that he himself was food, too. When we love someone, we feed them, right? When they are sick or grieving or new to the neighborhood or homeless, or at home with a newborn. We bring them food. It's one of our ways of saying, I love you. Apparently, God does this too. Quite literally. Jesus feasted with people all the time, and he fed them on that hillside that day. But he also said to them, there is more food to be had than just bread and fish, and I will give you that food, too. Now, we have a hard time getting our heads around the fact that God is with us all the time, and maybe this is why God sent us Jesus. And Jesus says, take me into you. Keep me with you all the time. Come to the table with your friends and take a piece of my love and consume it so that I might feed you, and so that you might be fed, and we might be united always. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my own flesh. Take me into you. I love you. I don't want you to ever have to be alone. We try to understand God's mysterious presence. And when we cannot get our heads to understand, we let our body do the work. We come to this table, not because we think it's the only way to get God into us. God knows God gets into us in so many ways beyond our human understanding. 
But we come because for some of us, this table is the most tangible way for us to experience the taking in of God. At this table, we take Jesus in. And we let God, through Jesus, through us, go out into the world to love and serve and feed others. And we receive the comfort and companionship that we need from God, through Jesus, through other people. Because God's in them, too. God is in us. Inside. Inside each of us. All the time. Because the bread of heaven was born and broken and shared. God is in us all the time when we are born, when we are broken, when we are shared, and when we love, when we are loved, when we breathe, when we sleep, when we dream, and when we gather at this table. Together, to take God in all over again. Amen.